Greetings, Earthlings. My name is Cam. I'm joined by Dave, and this is episode 93 of the Masterclass. Welcome. Dave's busy putting something away. Hold on. Sorry. I'm <laughs> What's distracted. <up>? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's good to be here. Looking forward to uh, moving on into uh, Matthew 26 tonight. Indeed. This episode might be slightly brief. Dave and I have already been podcasting for over two hours today. Yes. Or should I say this evening? Two and a half. Uh, but hopefully we've saved the best for last because the Masterclass is our little baby. It's the, it's the show that got this whole thing started. So if you're here for the first time listening, uh, hi, welcome. We're so glad that you're listening. Uh, if you've been a long time listener, well, I guess you. you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate it. And we are getting close to the end of Matthew, and uh, that's kind of fun to, you know, think how far, how long we've done this, how many episodes we've done, um, and how relatively small the chunk of the Bible is that we've covered. I know, because we didn't even do the first four chapters of Matthew. We started with the... Well, we started with um, the very the wilderness, end, the very end of chapter yeah. four, but yeah. You're you were correct. We skipped one, two, three, and most of four. Yep. So yeah, if you're a, a student of the Bible, it can uh, take you a while to s- really hammer through some of this stuff. <coughs> yeah, just be glad we didn't decide to do a podcast on numbers, because no one would have listened. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm not sure I would have. I don't think Dave would still be my friend if I had asked him to do that. He probably would have said yes out of being kind, and then like after a second episode, just stopped returning my calls. <sighs> yes. But anyways, we are here. It's episode 93. We are super glad that you're here, so I'm going to repeat myself. And we're just going to dive in because we've got a rather um, large chunk to cover this episode. So, Dave, uh-huh. would you do the honors? Would you do 14 through 25, please? You want me to go ahead and read that? Yeah, and then, well, what do you think? <laughs> I can, I'll just I summarize can, I, can, it. I was going to say, I can certainly read it. No, that's, it's, it's, it's a plot point that we'll deal with later. So, all right, so essentially 14 through 25 is Judas setting up his betrayal of Jesus and then acting dumb in front of Jesus. It's really quite sad. So essentially, uh, Judas, he went to the chief priests, and he's like, what will you give me if I deliver him to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And then it says in verse 16, from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Dun, dun, dun. And that's like how the episode ends. Um, so Judas essentially goes to them. All right, what are you going to give me um, if I give this guy to you? 30 pieces of silver? You got yourself a deal. All right. So now we go to Passover with the disciples, and um, they're sitting in the room, and they're at the table, and he says, uh, one of you is going to betray me. And they were very sorrowful, it says, and begin to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? Which I find interesting, because I feel like if I'm, you know, Peter, I'm like, I know it's not me. <laughs> yeah, it's him. It's it's not me. I, you know, because he's the you know, in, you know, self righteous, indignant, walking on water type of fella. I'll never betray you. And then of course he does. 
Yeah, but I think there's even a little bit, this maybe gives us a glimpse into maybe Peter's a little more self-aware than we realize of, I think he kind of gets his sort of um, impulsive nature and he's like, kind of has that moment of, surely it's not me. I'm not the one that's going to do this, am I? So I feel like Peter's the only disciple that would have got a spring break tattoo, you know? He's just that kind of. Yeah, if, if. If I could shoot, if yeah, I, I'm assuming eventually we'll get to get hang out with all of them, you know, surely over the over eternity, everybody will have their chance. But yeah, if I had to say pick one, it would definitely be Peter. So they go around Robin style. Is it I, Lord? And then he says, uh, "He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me." Uh, blah 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 blah. And then Judas, who betrayed him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, You have said so. Which I feel like is the ancient nearest way of saying, You said it, not me. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So Judas sets up the betrayal, gets paid, the contract is sealed, and then when Jesus tells everyone he's about he's gonna one of them's gonna betray him, he acts dumb. Is it me? Just like everyone else trying to fit in, trying to not, you know, raise suspicions. And uh, we will see the um, the culmination of Judas's uh, decision later on. Um, but we just wanted to make note of it here before we spend the rest of the episode talking about the Lord's Supper. We just didn't want to totally gloss over it. Because it is important Yes, um, to know that the, you know, uh, capture, torture, and execution of Jesus was for 30 pieces of silver by one of his closest um, companions, friends, followers. And I don't know how much 30 pieces of silver back then equals now, but I bet it probably wasn't worth it. Yeah. Just a hunch. Just a guess. So, Again, we just wanted to uh, acknowledge that part. We'll get to it later on uh, in Matthew, and we want to focus on the Lord's Supper tonight. So, Dave, would you please read this part, the actual part that we will be discussing? Yeah, so we're at Matthew 26, 26 through 29. If you have been a participant in the Lord's Supper or been present when uh, communion has been served, these words would be uh, familiar to you. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. All right, so the first thing I want to point out is that this happens directly after this awkward interaction with Judas. They were reclining at the table when Jesus said these things. Now, as they were eating at that same table, he took the bread and explained all this. And I think it is... Not by mistake that Jesus did this at that exact time and that it's been, you know, reported to us this way, that 
even in the presence of his betrayer who denies the betrayal, Jesus is still on mission. He's still taking his opportunity with the disciples to um, do what he came to do. He doesn't get, you know, he doesn't act mad or angry. He doesn't act flustered. He doesn't throw Judas through the window to prevent him from betraying. Like, he continues to do what he came to do. And in the face of something as daunting as meeting your betrayer face-to-face, knowing what's coming, I think that says an incredible amount about Jesus' character and why he is who he is. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had a question, a thought. Well, a thought about a question. Those are allowed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I really don't intend, like, this is genuine, this is like a truthful question of mine that I don't have a hidden agenda with or an answer to. But it truly is what came to my mind as you were saying that is, where is Judas Iscariot? Is he in heaven? Is he in heaven? Oh, like right now? Yeah. Well, I think wherever he is, he's next to the noisy icebox, that's for sure. <laughs> um, well, okay, so let's, let's spell this out real quick. Ultimately, it comes down to, was he ever a believer? Right. Or was he just there for the attention? Because. Well, but Jesus. Well. What? Anyway. I was, Jesus selected the disciples, chose the disciples. Maybe even but goes that back to our discussion last week, right? Well, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Judas was ever a true believer. I, I would agree. And the only people that know that are Judas and God. Yes. Because if Judas was a true believer, then he's in heaven. Because God, or the death of Jesus doesn't cover everyone, but the person who betrays Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it covers all sin, even the sin that sent him to the cross, right? Mm-hmm. He died for everyone, including Judas. Right. But again, the question remains and the question we can't answer is what was the state of Judas's soul before God? Was he covered in Christ's righteousness or was he masquerading as a believer and truly in it for the attention and the money. Cause this is not the first time money has come into no. the question with him. So I'm going to, I'm going to twist your answer here a little bit. So basically what you're saying is, is that even betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver is, is forgivable. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a terribly rotten thing to do. And I would have taken at least 50 pieces of silver to do it. <laughs> Probably shouldn't make that joke. I probably shouldn't. Probably That's not. probably a bit too far. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, 
Well, yeah, it has to be forgivable, right? Otherwise, there is an end to God's grace. Right. And that becomes a problem when you read Scripture. If God's grace extends only thus far, then it's about earning or staying within that grace based on how you act and not based on the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Christ, right? Right. And so that if if we see it that way, then the only choice we make is yes to God or no to God. Right? It's not yes to God, then yes to this, no to that, yes to it's not it it's it's a I believe in my heart and confess with my lips that Jesus is the Son of God and died for my sins, right? That that I have been made right by his sacrifice in the eyes of God, that, that God's wrath and judgment have been satisfied in the death of Jesus. That covers it. If then you start getting into um, shades or variations of what is covered or what isn't, then you're like in insurance paperwork, and no one has time for that. No. So then... The second piece of that to me is that someone who commits suicide, which Judas does, according to, is also forgivable. A lot of people would say no because it's selfish and, you know, all that sort of stuff, but we do a lot of things that are selfish. And. Here's what I think. I think that your last act on this earth doesn't define you and does not dictate your eternal state. Um, I would certainly hope that people would not feel like that is their only decision or that is the decision that they come to. I think it's incredibly tragic when that's the case, when people feel like that's their only option or it's at least the easy option compared to facing whatever it is that has caused them to feel that despair. Um, I certainly would never encourage someone to do that. Um, but again, if, if God forgives everyone except those that kill themselves and we start throwing caveats in it, then, then God's grace is not sufficient to cover all sin. Jesus only died for a portion of the people. And that is, as far as I can tell, not what Scripture says, is that God created all of mankind in his image and that Jesus died to cover the sins of all of mankind. And so the only choice, again, then becomes yes to God or no to God. And I think that goes back to our discussion last week on free will and predestination yeah. a little bit. But again. I'm, I'm willing to hear uh, counter arguments because yeah. I can't really back that up other than just my general knowledge of what Scripture says. I can't say, and this is exactly where the Bible says that if you kill yourself, you're going to be saved, because it doesn't. Right. You know, we're dealing with God's character, how God has shown grace and mercy in other ways, and assuming. That even though a person chooses to do that, God's grace is still good enough to cover that if that person was a believer. Because sometimes suicide is not a matter of um, life is too hard or I'm, I'm in crazy amount of debt. It's the person genuinely has physiological chemical imbalances in 
their body that they're unable to make wise decisions when they're in certain circumstances. You know, uh, some people are situationally depressed. Some people are medically, their bodies just don't handle anxiety or stress because of, you know, like there's, I have to think there are reasons and situations in which a suicide is not an escape attempt because the person is too lazy or too scared to do what they want, but because their stress or their anxiety or the, the medical issues that they're facing so cloud their judgment that they don't, they, they are not unable to see another option. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big difference between, between someone who's just quitting and someone who generally has a, uh, issues that need to be addressed medically. Like those are two totally separate situations to me. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yes. Um, and so anyway, I agree with you, I think. And well, no, I, I know I agree with you <laughs> in that. And I, I really, it was truly as, as, as we were reading this, it just like was a sincere question. I, I think you're absolutely correct that both of these things are forgivable and there's no reason. Ultimately it's between God and Judas. And I think you're right. It's, it's about a condition of the heart and was he truly a follower, a believer of Christ versus this act of suicide or this act of betrayal. Those weren't the things that defined where he spends eternity. It's the condition of the heart. And, and but they define how we view him, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. oh, not necessarily unfortunately, but I think it's, I think to your point of bringing this up, it is a, it's a great example of both the depravity of man and potentially the grace of God. Yep. And for, for that, I hope that he is in heaven. Right. And not because God's a nice guy, but because even though he did something truly terrible, if he truly was saved, even that truly terrible thing is forgivable. And to me... If that's the case, then that is an incredible example of God's grace and mercy. Um, yeah, it's so. Then I'm gonna come back to your suicide comment, and again, uh, just this is I had forgotten about this. I truly had. I I actually had a negotiation as a police officer last Saturday, face to face with a guy who was suicidal. And that's got to be you and I, you and I can discuss more when we're off the air, but I will tell you, I could see in this person's face that he was in pain and he was hurting. And the whole reason that he was contemplating wanting to die is because he didn't want to hurt anymore. He didn't want to deal with what he was dealing with. And I will tell you that. And truly, this is, I think, still just even me processing everything because it's been within the past week that this all happened, is that um, he did not want to be there. And I don't think there was anything selfish about where he was. I don't know that everybody would agree with me on that. But as somebody that looked at this guy, talked to this guy, saw saw into his eyes, uh, he did not want to be there. And I think he would have taken just about any option to make himself not hurt anymore. And I can't even begin to fathom being in a place like that. So 
And and no, I didn't tell him about Jesus. I didn't share the gospel with him. <laughs> Did not. I tried, but he wasn't having anything with. The, he he actually basically he was hallucinating too, and so when I started talking about, in addition to being a cop, being a minister, he was like, "Oh, you guys are just like the Taliban and all that here, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I was like, "Yeah, no." But anyway. Yeah, that just sounds like a an incredibly stressful situation. It was. It was very stressful. So, anyway, so back to the Lord's Supper here. Yes. So after all of that stuff with with Judas and the other disciples goes on, um, he takes bread, he breaks it, and he says, "Take, eat. This is my body." Super weird thing to say. Got to be honest. If I was eating dinner at your house and you started passing around your body, uh, I've got to go. I forgot I have a thing. Sorry. See you later. That's weird. Yeah. Because like for us, it's like, oh, we have this story and we know and we're not Catholic. So we think it's still actually bread and not actually Jesus's body. It's that's weird, right? Yeah. And he took the cup. Drink it. Uh, And it doesn't say, uh, yeah. Uh, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out. Like, this is my body. This is my blood. This is getting weird. And, like, I'm I'm being slightly goofy, but also slightly honest of, like. Oh, no, it's. That's a weird thing to say. And he just said we're all going to betray him. and, And I don't know, admittedly how they reacted. They might've just been like, Oh, this is Jesus being, you know, using that poetic language or, you know, making some illustration that we're going to figure out later. Or they could have been like, mm, what? I thought it was bread. And, and I, I don't know the reaction cause they don't tell us, but he starts getting very, you know, when he says, which, uh, my blood, which is poured out, for many, for the forgiveness of sins, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so he is like full on in um, like kingdom speak here, right? And the disciples, they don't know he's going to die until he dies. And then they all freak out and they all scatter like roaches when the lights go on. So clearly, I'm think it's safe to say they don't know what he's talking about here. And I can only imagine the looks going around in the room of like, what is he talking about? Because like they, they're familiar with animal sacrifice, obviously they're Jews, but now we're talking like, and they don't quite know it yet. Human sacrifice, Jesus giving himself up and they don't know this yet. And so I'm trying to figure out why he's saying this. And how they would have reacted. Because like we know what it means now, which is why we celebrate the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, hopefully regularly, mm-hmm. at church as a reminder of what Jesus did. But in the situation, it had to have been, again, I'm assuming, really weird. Yeah, to be quite candid, as I'm sitting here, I have context. I'm somebody that has um, been the server of communion. Um, I've, I've participated in it. I've 
encouraged my family to do this. I believe in it. But even in context, I'm like, this is, this is still weird. Like, it's still weird that we take bread and we take wine or juice, crackers, whatever it may be. And that is how, because um, in the other Gospels, it says, do this in remembrance of me. Which is weird for someone who's still around to say. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, I mean, and really, I think if we started taking the whole just virgin birth, <laughs> fully man, fully God, I mean, it is not easy to comprehend. And... I think that's a good thing, though. I, oh, yeah. Um, well, I'll still always argue a God that you can define is not God. Well, not even necessarily. I would even take it. I don't know if it's a step further. I, maybe just different. If, if, I, if I can understand all of God. Sure. Yes. That's not God. That's a math problem. That's a literary novel. That's uh, how to you know, change my car's oil. Like that is not something that is worthy of worship and devotion and life change, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I feel like some people like be like, Oh, that's just, you know, an intellectual cop out because you can't Mm -hmm. understand it all. You're just going to chop it up to, Oh, well, God shouldn't be understood. (laughs) And again, I would say if the God of the Bible is to be believed. Mm-hmm. Would you find something that you can completely comprehend? Would you find that to be worthy of worship and praise and awe and majesty and the devotion of your entire life? I I, I get what you're saying. I don't think I, I don't think it's an intellectual cop out. I think an intellectual cop out is to be like, oh, the Bible's too hard. I'm just going to go to church. And do whatever the person says instead of studying the Bible and praying and being in relationship and talking about this and, and trying to understand it more. There's the, the intellectual cop out is not seeking God out and not trying to answer questions like this or questions of how should Christians uh, live in a culture where certain things go directly in contrast against the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like th- that is where the intellectual work is done. The cultural work is done to try and figure out how to live as a Christian, but also live in the society in which you live. I think it is completely okay to then say God is still bigger than my ability to comprehend him. Mm-hmm. I does that am I am I explaining that effectively? Uh, I'm going to answer it in two ways: yes and no. Uh, I I I follow what you're saying. Like I, I don't I I think you're you know I I think you're um. There's logic to I don't even know if logic's the right term that I want to use. It's and and this is the other thing that I find interesting when we're having these discussions is how words just seem to fail me in trying to comprehend and articulate uh, a, a God 
in in what we're discussing. So, uh, yes, I follow what you're saying, but I guess there's even like like I'm even like having this moment of this is like a crazy thing that we do. Like I even I even get that Jesus said to do it, but I'm kind of like, why? And I've and I've like like I said I've 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 administered the sacraments. I've taught youth communicants class. I've, you know, and, and I'm like truly having this moment here of just like, and I do, I, I, I believe what Jesus said. And I even think there's an element here of, um, he's, he's, um, he's replacing the Passover. The, the the you know with the Passover lamb and the and the Seder meal that was eaten and and all those kinds of things that uh well I'm guessing Jewish people still do to this day. Um there is this um parallel of God's deliverance uh from sin and what we really uh deserve uh the lamb and the blood being shed and all of that, I'm truly just having this moment of it is weird that we commemorate that by physically eating something. And much like happens when we're doing this podcast, things that I believe kind of get rocked a little bit. And it's not, and it's not so much that I'm not on, on firm ground or footing, but it makes me go, I need to have a better kind of understanding of why I believe what I believe. Uh, even with the whole, we serve a, 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 an infinite God. So I don't even know if I'm answering your question in terms of, I guess I, I, so yes, I follow what you were saying and think your statements were sound and are understandable. And then I'm, I just want to say that I'm kind of having this moment over here of this is kind of odd. <laughs> yep. No, you are. Uh, you were quite right. There's, uh, I've heard a statement thrown around that like, from the outside, you know, Christianity looks weird, but from the inside, it makes all sorts of sense. And I'm like, yeah, it makes all sorts of sense, but there's still some really weird stuff. And this is one of those things. Um, but back to your question of like, why, not even your question, your statement of, it's weird that we eat bread and drink wine. And I have a f- uh, one major thought on that is, is I wonder how much of that is meant to remind us of God's provision for us. We need food to survive, right? Mm-hmm. God's manna in the desert while the Israelites were in the desert. Uh, we need salvation, so so Jesus was provided as that sacrificial lamb. And so I wonder if the the act of food, the idea of sustenance, the idea of providing what we need for life. Now, granted, Wine and bread is probably not the healthiest diet, but it gets the job done. Right, right. <laughs> and so I just wonder if the the physicality of putting that into your body, yes, and the the metaphor or the reminder of God providing what we need for life is somehow wrapped up in that um, sacrament and that that tradition. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, because definitely they were they were sitting down for the Passover dinner um not by coincidence not by coincidence so yeah so there is this element of um a, a meal of thanksgiving for god's deliverance a, a a meal of recognition a meal of remembrance 
And maybe I'm even just having an, uh, this moment of, are we missing the point of the meal? And, you know, the idea of taking a, a unleavened cracker and dipping it in grape juice. Like, like I'm like, what are we missing something here? And again, it's, it's, I'm thinking out loud. I'm kind of being vulnerable with my faith here. I'm really not trying to, um, you know, stir the pot for just the sake of stirring the pot, but like, should this be more of a meal? Should this be more of true breaking of bread and not just we get in a line and we go to the front of the church? The prefab and then... cups that have the wafer on top. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we've, we have just so, you know, got it, got it down to a uh, efficient little system. And again, and, and even that, I don't want to, I, I really just don't even want to say that that's wrong. I'm not, I, I don't even mean to apply that at all. Um, because there's certainly something about um, an act that we all partake in together. And there is this outward expression. And um, I certainly believe that Christ, the Holy Spirit is present in this. Um. But uh, yeah, it it would be kind of interesting to, um, you know, what would it like to be, to come into a room of people that I really do life with on a more regular basis than the other several hundred people that could potentially be in in a room with me for the the sermon, and instead I'm doing it with people that I do life with, and we're eating bread like literal. Well, did they eat leavened bread? Would Jesus have been breaking leavened um, bread, or would it have been unleavened bread because of the Passover? It would have been unleavened. But still, a nice Shabbat. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and 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 then like a glass. So so like I'm I'm eating this bread, and I'm eating it to the point of, you know, not not this American idea of I'm stuffed and I can't get it from the table, but I'm literally eating this bread as my meal and I'm drinking a glass of wine with this bread and I'm completely taking it in with me. And maybe there are other things present like lamb, you know, or something in Some nice hummus. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm totally with you. And I think that further, uh, communicates whether that's what Jesus is intending or not. I think the the benefit is the idea of fulfillment, of satisfaction, of pleasure. I mean, a nice piece of bread and an even a mediocre glass of wine sounds incredible right now. Right. Which, by and the way, the, the company of friends and family like that to me is such a enjoyable concept Mm -hmm. and i think that in that moment taking the time to remind yourself and the others around you of what jesus has done in that way could be an incredibly powerful and humbling and moving experience yeah and i think that's the point Mm -hmm. i mean they did the passover meal to remember what happened during passover it was a uh a reminder and the reason they did it that way was so that you know the same reason you have a christmas you know 
dinner or, you know, it's to remind you to commemorate, to, to associate something that is good and pleasurable, like a well-cooked meal and time with friends and family with something that is ultimately even greater than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't celebrate Christmas by doing taxes, right? We celebrate Christmas, hopefully by, by eating good food and drinking good drink and spending time with friends and family and reflecting on the blessings that God has provided for us. Hopefully that's what we do. I mean, I know not everyone is able to do that, but I mean, to your point, I'd like that with, you know, the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, on a lighter note, I find it interesting that Jesus says he's not going to drink of it until it's all said and done at the end again. So, I'd never really, honestly, it's one of the things I haven't, don't think I believe I've thought much of, of, of having a glass of wine with Jesus in heaven. But I, I wonder if he's a red wine or a white wine guy. <laughs> I, I read it's gotta be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 there are certainly, uh, there's an invitation, um, in communion to identify with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. and. Um, I embrace it wholeheartedly. Um, and and again, like I've said before on this, I, the the podcast, I will probably research this some more. But just really had this moment of the fact that we physically eat something that we take into our bodies. Um, it's there's nothing else really like that. It, it, there's nothing else like that in the Christian church. And I don't, I, I guess I don't even know with other religions. You're forgetting after service potlucks. Dave. After service potlucks, no. But no, to your point, uh, real quick, the, the thought of not doing it again until um, I drink, uh, I drink it new with you in the father's kingdom is yes, this, we do this in remembrance as it says elsewhere, but we also do it in looking forward to, doing it in person. Mm -hmm. And I've never thought about that. Yeah. The part of it, the word anticipation really exactly was what came to my mind of, and I've never, I've never thought of the Lord's supper that way before. It's always, you know, I remember growing up in, um, uh, in the church I grew up in, which is really descriptive. Good job. Cam. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and we had this giant communion table and I mean, the thing had to have just weighed just like as much as an elephant. It was this gaudy, just huge, like pillars for legs because, you know, church. And it's had uh, engraved on the front of it, do this in remembrance of me, like mm-hmm. gilded in gold and all that stuff. And I never once thought about the anticipation of getting to do the same thing with him mm-hmm. in hell. like that to me, that's, that's a brand new idea. And that is, uh, really interesting to me. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing I, I, um, and this is more just truly just a, I think it's cool. Um, not Catholic. Don't totally agree with the Catholic doctrine on, 
what happens in communion, but I've had a tremendous amount of respect for the way the priest finishes every, like the 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 chalice that it's ser- that it's served out of is is water is is run through it and he drinks that and it's like communion remains communion from the beginning to the end uh in the I think in the Catholic Church where uh, having more of an inside at, at a Protestant church and how we treat the elements of communion it's well whatever's not needed is kind of tossed aside or thrown away and i've always thought you know there really needs to be that kind of whole sort of um respect for it um and so i've i've just kind of um again i think it's cool the way that the catholic priest doesn't let anything go to waste and yeah i think um certain denominations could learn yes benefit from certain liturgical mm-hmm. and sacramental traditions of catholics um episcopalians lutherans that the the denominations that tend to bend towards the uh traditional liturgical style of worship as opposed to smoke machines and electric guitars <laughs> and tv screens well said well said. And I even play electric guitar at church, so, uh, you know, that's self-indictment on my part. <laughs> well, I think that brings us to a somewhat abrupt end of episode 93, but I liked it. An ends and end, right? <laughs> exactly. We'll be back sometime in the near future. Bye. Bye.